0: I am so amazed with the quality of the music program here. It's phenomenal. Those of you who are at the budget presentation know how little we invest in terms of money and how much we invest in terms of volunteers. You are phenomenal people. That's got a lot to do with um, democracy, doesn't it? You know, the principles of the Unitarian Universalist Association, of which we are a member congregation, state that we affirm and promote the democratic method in our congregations and in society at large. But it's interesting, there's nothing in the principles or in any guidelines that we've been given that give us specific direction on what that means or how we're supposed to do it. We operate under what's known as congregational polity, which essentially means that the congregation decides. How does the congregation decide? By the democratic method. What does a democratic method mean? Nobody tells us. The Webster Dictionary says that democracy is simply a government in which the supreme power is vested in the people and is exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation, usually involving periodically held free elections. Not much help either, especially when you go on to find out that under this umbrella of democracy is everything from dictatorship to um, a purely consensual commune. So, majority rule is a characteristic but not a requirement of democracy. I'm not the first person to wonder about this. In 1997, the Unitarian Universalist Association Commission on Appraisal brought forth its much-awaited, anxiously-awaited report, Interdependence, Renewing Congregational Polity. I was so hoping for answers. This is what they said in part. While our principles commit us to the use of the democratic process within our congregations, we are generally unclear about the specifics. For example, which decisions can be made by the Board of Trustees? When is a vote of the congregation required? What is the sp- specific role of the minister? Bylaws, I said, cannot spell out every decision that must be made by the entire congregation and the appropriate process depends on the size of the congregation. A large congregation should be a representative democracy, where most decisions are made by the board. A medium-sized congregation may have more decisions made by the congregation, but many will be made by the board. And a small congregation may operate by group consensus. However, as congregations grow, I'm still quoting the commission. They tend to try to function with a decision process suitable to their former size. Makes sense. See, too often, member congregations believe that the only model for democratic process is for everyone to gather in one place and make all of the decisions by consensus. And while consensus may be appropriate for a small fellowship, it restricts both size and development of congregations. Rabbi psychotherapist Edwin Friedman said, consensus tends to value peace over progress and personal relationships over ideas. Emphasis on consensus, he says... Gives strength to the extremists. My colleague Reverend Brent Smith says it a different way. He says, We are not in the tradition of consensus as the chief means of decision making, regardless of its current faddishness amongst us. It is not democratic. It does not allow each person to exercise their right to act upon the truth as they see it, that is, to vote. It requires conformity of every person to one decision, to one path. It subverts a subtle discernment represented in differing individual viewpoints. Whoa. So consensus only works well in small groups and even then in our tradition of many viewpoints it's seen as subverting the subtle discernment. So do we go with majority rule? I don't think so. My advice to congregations of any size is you never bring anything to a congregational vote until you know what over 80% of the people will vote. Some call that a supermajority. I call it good sense. Kind of like pig herding. People need to mill. People need opportunities to put their noses together in the muck if necessary, do some grunting, and figure out what direction the vast majority of them are going to be moving, and the others will go too. E.B. White said, democracy is the recurring suspicion that more than half of the people are right more than half of the time. George Bernard Shaw, slightly more sarcastic, democracy is a device that ensures that we shall be governed no better than we deserve. (laughs) My favorite is Abraham Lincoln. He said, elections belong to the people. It's their decision. If they decide to turn their back on the fire and burn their behinds, they will just have to sit on their blisters. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing we do know, whether or not we've all learned the lessons of pig herding, democracy requires that people be involved at the appropriate time and place in the process. A case of likely blisters just happened, folks. Tomorrow, how many of you have been reading the Muskogee, Oklahoma news? <laughs> Come on, a whole bunch of you know what's going on here. Tomorrow, John Tyler Hammonds, age 18, will be sworn in as the mayor of Muskogee, Oklahoma. He is not the first 18-year-old to be elected mayor of a city in this country, by the way. I have one in Ohio, a couple in uh, Pennsylvania, um, in the last round of elections. They're, they've all been communities of less than 2,000 people. Um, one of five hundred and seventy or something that one 's eighteen year old mayor is um, being tried for a, a bar brawl but <laughs> but that 's not the case with this young man. I was really impressed I started look I, saw, I said, "Wow, who is this young man and he was the senior class president at Muskogee High School in 2007. He served as the president of both the Young Republicans and the Young Democrats Club. <laughs> this is an amazing young man. He said, I threw my name in both rings and lo and behold, both groups elected me. starting to learn a little bit about democracy here, about caring about outcomes. He is a registered Republican and Oklahoma's youngest at-large delegate to the Republican National Convention. His interviews sound great. Politics stop at the door, he says, if someone wants to talk politics, I'll leave the office, leave the building if I have to in this office. It has to be Muskegee-oriented. People in the town say things like he doesn't have the baggage, he doesn't owe anybody anything. It's sort of a fresh start for Muskegee. Is starting to sound exciting? Hammonds. He says that he's um, a pretty ordinary guy. John Tyler Hammonds is. He also says, I've always had it in the back of my mind to be governor of Oklahoma one day. That's always been a dream of mine. And if I'm lucky enough to be governor, I'll probably flirt with the idea of trying to become president. <laughs> I want you to remember this name an ordinary guy, an ordinary 18 year old, he says who loves video games, movies, fast cars, and rock and roll, and as for dating, right now I'm between girlfriends, so I'm looking to fill that position, he says. (laughs) I was so impressed, I went on looking for his website. I couldn't get on. There have been so many hits, it's closed down, I couldn't get there. But I did manage to get onto one of the chat rooms. Very, very interesting. Attention! Conservatives, Republicans, Team Huckabee. In less than 24 hours, Muskogee will have a new mayor. My hope is that with your support, it will be John Tyler Hammond's. The vision and principle is very simple. As we continue to support Mike Huckabee and Huck Pack, we're following his example by supporting Christian conservative candidates who may not be well-funded or well-known but have the right values and the ideas to serve and improve our American communities. We will also support those who supported Mike Huckabee in his time of need. John Tyler Hammonds is our candidate. Despite bias opposition from the ultra-liberal Muskogee Phoenix newspaper, dirty tactics by his opponent's campaign, and the fact that he is a Republican running in a town dominated by Democrats, Hammonds has received the endorsement of a number of city organizations. We'll be calling Muskogee voters, reminding them to vote from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. No matter where you live, we can use your help. If you would be interested in donating 30 minutes or more to call a page or two of voters, please contact... And it goes on with the plans. He won 70% of the popular vote. There's no mention in any of the newspapers or any of the articles what his political or religious persuasion is or who his supporters are. I expect that we may see him running for president one day. Do you want to know what happened? The incumbent mayor, didn't want to run for another term. And nobody else really felt like running in this democratic town. And so um, a 70-year-old ex-mayor who had served a number of terms before agreed to have his name thrown into the ring, that he would do it one more time since nobody else was willing. The democratic process requires the participation Of people. But we must not confuse political democracy with church democracy. Mencken said under one democracy, one party devotes its chief energies to trying to prove that the other party is unfit to rule, and both commonly succeed, and both are right. In the political realm, we're talking about competing visions. In a church community operating under congregational polity, that's not what democracy is about. Healthy congregations aren't struggling with competing visions. They're working together to implement a shared one. But to do this, they must mill about for a while. Otherwise, there are loud oinks. But if people don't take the time to do the milling, churches turn into another Muskogee. People need to be involved. They need to be educated. In a larger church, the milling happens in different locations than it does in a church of 40 or 50 members. It happens when you are given opportunities to go to forums on uh, the new change in governance or the forums that were being offered today between services and again at 12.30 on the upcoming budget. Opportunities to become informed, to ask questions, to figure out what shifts are needed in order to go in that general direction. Democracy, in the end, is when the power is with the people. But the people who do not treat that power as a sacred trust probably deserve what they get. Sometimes they're luckier than that. But for our founders, the autonomy of each congregation wasn't a matter of self-sufficiency or isolation. It was how to build community in the congregation, between congregations, in society at large. How people with a shared vision could create beloved community in peaceful, difference of opinions and beliefs. Our founders didn't get everything right organizationally. Early congregationalists thought that it was reasonable that magistrates should coerce all landowning citizens to pay the parish tax. We're still tax-free, that's questionable. But they got a number of things right a number of things right, because they understood that a religious community is a covenanted democracy, one that has agreed to walk together, to walk together in the divine spirit of love as best as we can do. Church practice, church practice in which individuals may differ in a variety of ways is one where we will mill and discuss together in order that we can walk freely in the same direction with no loud oinks. May we be worthy of that heritage.